Good afternoon. Thank you for calling United Soccer FC. My name is Harry. Uh, joining me today is Jonathan from uh, UWS Weekly, and we'll probably at the end of the show talk a little bit about UWS Weekly, uh, UWS Weekly, and UWS overall, and all the movement that's going on there. But uh, for this one here, we're going to talk about Sacramento Republic. Uh, for that here, and to me, Sacramento Republic. Uh, when they play San Antonio, it's always the battle of 2014. Uh, Sacramento Republic won the USL championship that year, and uh, San Antonio Scorpions won the 2014 NASL title. And uh, I know different organizations seven years ago, but it's still a title. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing great, Harry. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to just talk soccer. Um, it's a beautiful day out here in California. About 80 degrees, can't go wrong with it. Hopefully everybody in the rest of the country is uh, staying safe. I know there's a lot of um, turbulent weather down south, so uh, well wishes to all my friends and family and members of my community down in that area. Yeah, Kayla uh, in, uh, from Hammering Down uh, podcast uh, is trying to uh, collect donations uh, for the um, tornadoes that they had a couple a week ago or a couple weeks ago yep. uh, for that here. Uh, but... No, it's always good to uh, talk with you. Usually we're on the other side. Uh, you're the one hosting and, uh, you know, I'm the one heckling you from the uh, from the chats uh, for that here. But so a little bit of role reversal this time here. But uh, speaking of Sac Republic here, uh, last year uh, you finished second in your group, uh, eight, six, and two. I think the ties is what really hurt you guys yep. um, last year compared to Reno, who won the group. Um, who finished 11-3-2, and two. so you guys had the same amount of losses, but those three ties, uh, the three draws, um, really was was the difference, which unfortunately puts you up against uh, Phoenix Rising, and you fell, you fell the same way that San Antonio did to New Mexico with a handball. So you guys were actually punched out of the playoffs, uh, I guess is the nice way to word that uh, by... Uh, uh, Phoenix Rising and Solo here uh, for that here. So just kind of briefly last year, your kind of thoughts on last year. I know it's kind of unique with it being a COVID year, you know, playing very regionalized um, at, at, you know, regionalized compared to a normal season here. But your thoughts on 2020 Sac Republic year? Overall, you have to look at the year as a year of transition. Um, you know, you had a lot of younger academy guys who were playing. You had – a new coach who was trying to, who was with the academy, but trying to kind of build his resume in uh, Coach Briggs. And you could sense that there was a different stride playing with a false nine, playing in the formation that they did. And then you get one game into the season, which was a disappointing draw to Tulsa. And you're heading out to go play, and all of a sudden the world stops. Yes. And you are then put into quarantine. You aren't practicing. You've got no idea how your guys are staying sharp, how they're preparing themselves. How are they staying in game shape? Unless you use what everybody knows now as regular Zoom or some other form of, of media, right? And so that was a really tough way to kind of start your season. And everybody was in the same playing field. But it was extremely hard because you have a new coach. You can't practice. You can't look over game film together. And in the end, eight wins. Anybody would take eight wins mm -hmm. and two losses. But the six draws are, are are tough because you're playing against teams like Tacoma. You're playing against Portland Timbers too. You had some games outside of your group that you you should have won that you kind of gave away. And in the end, it came back to bite them. I don't think they played a Phoenix team that was all that good. I wasn't, you know, impressed by them all season. The one team that I was impressed with that is now kind of in our our sights was the Loyal. And if well, you look, Loyal at, got off to a slow start. They did brought in the reinforcements. What, two thirds of the way, halfway, you know, kind of that second half of the year. And they were a completely different team. And, and when I spoke with Alan and Chris, I think if, if there would have been another month to the season, they would have been in the playoffs. Yep. Easy. Um, but, you know, I, I think Phoenix was – was I think Phoenix was still a good team. I think with Phoenix, they have that on-off switch 
which you wonder at some point that's going to catch up to them now, whether that's this year, next year, um, you know, they do cycle, they do turn over a little bit of the roster each year. I think this year you're seeing, you know, a little bit more of a change. So it'll be interesting to see how they transition, but um, I, I think Phoenix was the best team. In, and I hate to say it, best team in the West last year. And yeah, and they did when, when the, when, when the conference, but um I do think Sacramento played them tough. Um, you know, I won't lie to you. I w- was at the San Antonio game, came home, and I think you guys were still playing an extra time. And it it was it was a typical playoff game where defenses were, uh, you know, were in charge of that game. Uh, where nothing was easy. It was all earned, and um, unfortunately, in, in extra time, you know. You know, it's, you know, you didn't get the call. <laughs> Just leave it at that. And in the end, I mean, was it a bad thing? Yeah, it's definitely a heartbreaker. But you learn from that. The guys who are returning from that club, uh, from that roster, definitely have that that sour taste in their mouth. And they're looking for redemption this year. So you never know. I, I would be, I'm curiously optimistic to see what happens in that, you know, there's not a whole lot of publicity that's positive coming out of the club right now. Everybody's kind of got the negativity, and we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that later mm-hmm. with with MLS. But um, this will be a a interesting year to see how this roster turnover that they've they've experienced, bringing back some old older players that were once here, uh, and then just building. So it will be it will be good to see. So typically the next section I talk about is going to be the stadium, the game day environment along those lines. So Papa Murphy's Park, or I known it as Bonnie Field for a long time, but I guess it's, you know, the naming rights are per Papa Murphy's Park here. Um, I won't lie. Sacramento has been one game day away that I haven't been to yet uh, for that here. But what's game day like there? Pre-game, post-game. Um, I know the Tower Bridge Battalion, you know, you know, I think it's, you know, it was behind one of the golds and, and um, you know, just it's packed back there, you know, kind of very similar to what it's like in Phoenix behind their goal here. So what's game day like at Papa Murphy's? So game day is, is an, is a different beast. You know, you can, you can talk it up all you want. It's very much like a college tailgate to some extent where beers are flowing. Everybody's out in the state, out in the uh, parking lot enjoying company community, sharing beer, sharing stories, conversation, talking about the game and what the expectation is. And then once that uh, once that drum starts sounding and you're ready to go, you're walking with your with your colleagues, you're walking with your your community into the stadium, you know, a couple thousand people walking in together, banging drums, chanting, singing, ready to go, getting that place up to up to uh, standards of a of a real European style feel with the way the Tower Bridge Battalion and the other um, supporters groups uh, work together. And it's it's an amazing atmosphere for uh, soccer people, uh, soccer heads, talking heads to to attend. I would say you need to make it out this summer. And uh, let's go grab if a they play. <laughs> Yeah, if they play, <laughs> right? We're in different <laughs> regional, <that> regional <laughs> conversation. But there's always a chance, right? There's always a chance. You got four out of you got four out of conference games. We got eight, so there there, there is a chance um, uh, for that here. Um, how many supported groups is there? I guess I should have done a little bit more homework. I thought it was mainly the Tower Bridge Battalion. That is your um, main group. They have, uh, yeah. they have another group, Los Unicos, who uh, was a part of um, another organization at one time. And Reno's. They, yeah, they had a they had a um, issue regarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, regarding some of the way the way in which they were treated, mm-hmm. the racial abuse that they received on the hands of others, and you know, Tower Bridge Battalion was very warm and open to them and, and receptive to them becoming um, a supporters group of Sacramento Republic, and they have uh, you know they have a good solid group of people. They even have the uh, levy, uh, the levy group that jumps up and they'll be on the levy every once in a while that over uh, runs around the river. And you can look down in the stadium. So the Levy Patrol is another supporters group along with Tower Bridge and, and Los Unicos. Now, for away friends, uh, fans. So when I got out of the Navy, this is probably mid-90s, mid to, yeah, probably mid-90s. Sacramento at that point, it was beautiful. There were certain parts and then there were other parts that, you know, 
you know, through there, but I don't think it's the same Sacramento as today. Cause from what I've heard from people that have been there, you know, Sacramento from the mid nineties, and this probably goes for, for a lot of Northern California, like Oakland as well. It's kind of transformed, you know, it's, it's a lot nicer nowadays for that here. So if you're coming to Sacramento, you know, for the weekend or just for the day, what's some of the things that you, you know, that, that you must do, you know, as an away fan. I mean, as an away fan, you have to, you have to start with the, the best place to eat if you love sushi, and that's Makuni Restaurants. Uh, Makuni is a really, really good sushi spot. They have one in Arden, not too far from uh, the stadium, from um, Papa Murphy's. So you could go there, have a have a nice little sushi roll. And then any brewery, uh, we are very um, well known for our uh, craft micro beers. Yeah, our craft beers. So any of the craft beer companies that are in Arden Fair, you know, we have one out here. Um, in in the Roseville, Sacramento area called New Glory, which has a uh, my favorite beer, the Gummy Worm. You can never go wrong with it. It's, uh, it sounds it's, good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a I don't want to call it a hazy because it's not a hazy IPA, but it's definitely like more of your refreshing, um, not so hoppy. My wife who hates hoppy beer, she'll drink those like it's nothing. And man, it's it's just a great time. You can go anywhere in Sacramento. Again, though, my my go to is. Um, you got to go to Makuni and then you have to, you have to try out one of the craft beer track seven. There's a lot of different uh, places to enjoy a good, uh, good beer here. So it's a new year, new faces. Um, and with new faces, I'm going to start kind of with the a little bit odd here that I don't normally do here. Normally I go straight to players, but, but for Sacramento, they lost their biggest rival. Unfortunately, Reno uh, is no longer in in uh, USL. Uh, they're taking a break, and Oakland jumps in from NISA. Um, so, kind of thoughts on having Oakland coming in um, instead of going over. I forget what is it Donner's Pass. I think if memory serves me correct, I know it's I eighty. There's a pass that you go over uh, to get to get to Reno. Um, instead of there, you're going to go you know, you know, go west uh, to Oakland here. So thoughts on the roots coming in and Reno going out, you know, just, just as a Sac Republic fan, um, you know, what does that mean for you guys? Well, first off, it's disappointing that Reno is no longer right. in the league. Let's, let's be honest. They were a good club um, on the pitch. They had some great talent. Seth Kasipli, uh was a part of that. Even one of our new guys, um, is it was a part of yeah was a part of that uh that program and so to see it kind of just fold overnight was extremely disappointing i don't think you could have ever imagined that, that was going to happen mm -mm. Um, no i don't think anybody saw it coming i know people had talked about it but it's just not something you you familiarize yourself with now let's talk about oakland i've spent you know 20 years of my life down in the east bay and had season tickets to the Oakland Roots when they were with Nisa and when they were starting. And soccer down in the Bay is quite different than it is in Sacramento. It, it's never been what Sacramento has had. San Juan um, from the e ECNL, Placer United, um, those two clubs have been staples in California soccer forever. Now Oakland is starting to kind of use their, their ability to draw thanks to the San Jose Earthquakes, thanks to Copa in Walnut Creek, which is a training facility. And the Oakland soccer scene with the Oakland soccer club and the Oakland roots is going to be phenomenal. And it's going to be a more intense rivalry. If you have to ask, uh, I just see the, the style and the, the way the community is engaged with the Oakland roots is going to be huge. And it's going to compare to Sacramento and you're going to see some awesome matches on and off the pitch as it relates to the supporters groups because they're they're fired up oakland's fired up and it's going to be an amazing year for soccer in northern california yeah because to me oakland to sacramento is kind of like from here to austin it's about a what a 90 minute drive depending on traffic and depending on traffic's the key there uh for that here because it's about 90 miles i think that's pretty much the same distance it is for us but um to me, like I said here, that's what I'm excited about is is the rivalry. Because um, I think Sacramento to Reno, while it was close, it, it, it you know, there's a difference between an in-state rivalry and an out-of-state. Because you know, with Reno, you had the you had the lights, 
And I think that was kind of their one a rivalry um, where I think for Sacramento, you guys will have it fun, you know, and I know Los Dos is a rival um, based on the early years uh, of, you know, Los Dos. I don't think so much now, um, but in Orange County and Sacramento, for whatever reason, just never has never took off, um, you know, at least, you know, from an outsider's perspective um, when it comes to rivalry. But um, to me, you've got uh, Oakland coming this year, allegedly Monterey next year, which would be another, you know, we, you know, that's a separate discussion on Monterey. Coming in. And, and let's, let's not forget the San Francisco Glens who are in the USL champion, yeah. right? So, they're building a, a facility that's going to be on Treasure Island, which is essentially in the middle of the bay, which is across from. You could probably see, um, you could see it from the from the bridge, from the Bay Bridge. But I think if they were to ever join USL Championship, you'd have Oakland, San Francisco Glens, and the Sacramento Republic, and that three, that triangle, that triad of teams would be. You would have some really good quality rivalry going there and the glens have have a stable history it's just a question on the ownership and whether they what to me it's whether they can qualify you know through u.s soccer requirements to be championship or league one i think that's going to be because right now they're you know usl league two to make that jump up obviously there's a completely different buy-in when it comes to that here yeah. So players uh, moving out, um, kind of two caught to me. Uh, Bjev, you know, I think he was a forward, and then Lopez, uh, Rodrigo Lopez, um, were the two big names for me that I saw. Um, who are the biggest losses this year? It could just be those two, or you know, if there was somebody else that that's left. That uh, you know, obviously, I you know, I, I didn't follow that much of Sacramento last year as far as closely, just because you guys were in a completely different. D different division um and the only way we would have met would have been you know in the uh conference finals so you know player wise you know who's kind of the big misses you know that left from last year man it's it's going to be a hard year there was a lot of players who um who kind of fell out with the collapse of, of some of the things roro obviously he is he was and is the most uh, respected individual in Sacramento for all he's done for this organization. And then also Villian Bijev. Villian Bijev um, put his heart and soul in this team and this organization from the time he got here to even today, where he's still a member of this community. Drew Skundrich is going to be a, a miss. He was our captain for some time when Cameron Iwasa lost, his, uh, lost the, the badge. Uh, once we came back from... Uh, the COVID time. And so those three are going to be very difficult uh, to, to, to have not return. Now, what does that, what does that mean? You've, you've brought back familiar faces mm -hmm. right? and uh, you're familiar with, with one Mitchell of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mitch comes in. Um, uh, and, and when he got uh, re-signed, uh, everybody was extremely happy because he's a, a fairly decent looking guy and everybody was, uh, uh, fairly happy to have, I don't know if he's the best looking soccer public player, but he is very high on that list. <laughs> he's, he's easy on the eyes is what you're saying. <laughs> um, but you also have returning players. You have Carlton Belmar, who mm -hmm. in my opinion is a just, I feel as though Carlton Belmar is a USL star. Um, I feel like he he's a, a can't miss prospect. You know, Andrew Wheeler uh, returns, Jordan McCrary. So you have a good base of, of players who return. Even Cameron Owasa, he might have a have a few goals left in him. He's the all time leading goal scorer for us, and those are those are players that you want back. That's some of the glue that you need. Now, what does that what does that mean? You only had eleven returners, and some of them are really young still. So to to add faces and add people, um, I think Mitch is going. It's not really a new name for Sacramento because he was here before he was in San Antonio. But to have him back is going to be huge. He was a, a staple in that. the back line. Yeah. With him, him and Duke. Yeah. And now him and Sargis, uh, who, hey, don't, don't, um, don't, don't think twice on this kid. Hayden Sargis uh, could be in a national team uniform if he could just get some more, uh, more caps for the Republic and possibly get to the MLS stage. But I, I could see him as a, as a uh, one for the future for sure. 
What about Thomas Gomez uh, for a goalkeeper? Um, I think he what came from St. Louis last year, right? Where yep. he uh, back there, Ray, back Riverhounds. Uh, uh, Riverhounds, pardon me, Pittsburgh. Um, I thought he was an important signing, and then Tucker Bone uh, to me was the other big signing uh, for me. You know, because like I said here, I'm not. You know, I thought uh, Gomez would, like I said, for Pittsburgh. Now with Lily Ball, you got to always kind of you know wonder, hey, is it the system? Or is it the player? But uh, typically, you know, goalkeepers moving around, you know, big names, you, you, to me, you kind of pay attention. Now, you did have Rafael uh, Diaz that, uh, you know, was returned as well. Yeah, so Diaz actually just got a call up to the national team for uh, the Dominicans. So to have him getting reps at a national team level is going to be huge. He's your starter. I mean, he, he was the glue last year. He was the guy who kept them in, uh, gave him the opportunity to get to the playoffs. If he's not there... He made a save uh, against Portland that, you know, if he didn't make that save, the season's over. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be back, that's a huge re-sign considering all the names they've lost. But Tucker Bone, in my opinion, he was a he was a, a staple for Reno in mm -hmm. their midfield. And the way he was able to kind of control the, control the tempo and the way the game played, Tucker Bone is going to be a huge asset to this club and the success of it this year. Reminds me a lot of, you know, Orange County's Seth Kasipley and that he mm -hmm. he's just going to his work rate uh, is extremely high. And so if he can continue to have that work rate here in Sacramento and play the same way he did for Reno last year, you you are a um, you're a sleeper team in that it's going to uh, it's going to raise a lot of people's eyebrows because you're going to put some damage on some teams. Um, and we're not talking by holding them. We're, we're going to be scoring some goals with uh, Belmar and even uh, Formella up front. So I know San Antonio uh, counts on a couple of MLS loanies, you know, along those lines here. Is You think you think uh, the SAC roster is kind of set at this point, or you think there'll be kind of one or two more additions kind of, you know, as MLS makes their cuts, you know, to kind of fill in it, maybe any weaknesses that, that you think? I mean, you can you can always think there's going to be a player added, right? That's kind of the hope is that one guy who didn't make a roster quite make it. Luis Felipe is one of those who was with the Earthquakes. Now he's in a Republic uniform. There's other conversations. You don't see it on the. I'm afraid to to say it on air because it's not it's not on their roster. But if you look at the nominal, um, the SB Nation mm -hmm. um, site. Yeah, there's there's Fadi, right? So if Fadi can come in and, and play, um, you know, it's again, it's been announced there, but I haven't seen it on their website, and it's not true until it's not like, official. Yeah, yeah, it's not official. <laughs> so things happen, right? Oh, we were gonna let him go, but we want to bring him back because we had some injuries, and especially with Columbus Crew returning, um, the the reigning MLS champion, they may want to keep him. We'll we'll see, but he uh, he's one name to watch out for as it relates that was back on the 24th was when somebody started saying something but i haven't seen an official press release as it relates to that yeah until it's official because we've been told hey we got players coming and we finally got our first one on friday you know a defender from uh, uh vancouver Whitecaps. so yep and i think that uh from from uh, safc there's still a couple more that's going to be making their uh, appearance in for that here now with the setup here, um, expectations. Uh, to me, I've kind of broke it up. Championship or bust or playoffs or bust. Uh, so um, is Sacramento thinking, hey, we're winning it all, which historically has been Sacramento. You know, you know they've kind of been in that, that thing there. Or will the fan base be happy with just making the playoffs? You know, which, which category do you think that Sacramento is in at this point? Because I – and I know we've kind of hit, you know, already hinted that there's it's a transition year that there's no way to to hide it with you know going gearing up for MLS to gearing up for question mark because you know MLS hasn't been ruled out but at least on the surface it's off the table at this point now could somebody come in and step in and revive it that that's kind of the the unknown here so for 2021. For Sac Republic, you know, 
is it still championship or bust or you think it's, Hey, you know, get into the playoffs and maybe win a game or so uh, for that. It's hard. I mean, this is a tough division. You've got the loyal who just, I don't even know where they, their pockets were endless this summer and they were <laughs> pulling people there hand over fist of money. Yes. It's like the Patriots are with uh, the NFL offseason and <laughs> everybody money, but the loyal really did a good job of building around what landing envisions for them, mm -hmm. that club. You have the Oakland Roots, who are always going to be competitive. They have, they they have this this tenacity about them, where they're a hardworking team. We saw it against Detroit in the Nisa final, where they were up early, and then they just kept fighting, they just kept being that 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 fight, fighting spirit, and eventually losing to Detroit City FC in that in that championship. But now they're in USL with another chip on their shoulder, some new coaches, some uh, familiar faces to Sacramento. And even um, you know Jordan Farrell, who was their head coach, is now the technical director for the Oakland Roots. You have Orange County, who I think they uh, they are a team that is always going to be at the top of of the uh, mm -hmm. upper half. Yeah. yeah, and then obviously Phoenix Rising. So you have five clubs, and you, you know, have, right. as we know of, right? And and who knows how many playoff spots are given? Right? There's that, four. Oh, there's well, four. Uh, how they broke out the divisions, there's a line that goes across. So top, you know, they're going to do eight teams. Um, I think it's going to be. And you can edit this out. Well, no, I, I've, I've said it before here. I think with um, how they did the press release on this here is it's going to be a regionalized playoff. So I think you're going to have four versus one, two versus three. And then kind of like how last year, you, you know, you know, you, you advance through that side of the bracket. So I think you're going to see something very similar. I've been, uh, I've been so buried in UWS that I, that I have not seen all of the, uh, all yeah. the media <laughs> for this, but yeah, so it's the top four. So I can tell you that. So, but to me, like I said, I think Sacramento is, is a clear playoff team. Um, the one you don't know is the roots. Cause I think orange County, I think they, you know, in, you know, speaking with the orange and black uh, soccer podcast, Basically, they grabbed every forward that they could find and, and thrown up against the wall. But I kind of worry about the midfield. And, and you know, they say their defense is solid. They say their midfield's okay. But they lost a key part of their defield uh, that went to, went to Rising. I think Rising still, you know, in, in, until they can be beat, still the class of uh, of the West. Um, Loyal, I think, is, is probably, a, you know, right up there with Rising. The teams you're not sure about, um, you know, Los Dos, you know, they were a playoff team last year. Um, well, it, it, yeah, I want to get into that one. Tacoma and then the LAFC Las Vegas Lights, uh, you know, which I don't think anybody has any clue what the lights are going to be this year. They can't really be any worse than they were last year. But, you know, they're kind of a, a, a transitional two-team. And Tacoma is one of those sneaky teams that, you know, will catch somebody if you're not paying attention. I think you guys have learned this, you know, the hard way more than once. Um, where on any given night, especially up in Tacoma, and especially I think we're, you know, where we're kind of going back to non-COVID times, and I hate saying that, but I think for player movement between the leagues, um, you know, I think, you know, like last year, there really wasn't any player movement between, you know, the, the MLS first team and, and, and the two team. I think this year you're probably going to see a little bit more movement, maybe not as much as in a normal year, but I'll never forget. It was two years ago, basically Sacra Republic played what three quarters of the first team of the Sounders up there, at least a half of half of the, the Sounders. And, um, that, that loss ended up hurting you guys in the standings. I forget. I think you, I forget it knocked you out of, you guys made the playoffs, but I think it knocked you out of a home seat or, or something along those lines. I forget the specifics of it, but I know Sacra Sacramento, uh, there was a lot of us grumbling uh, that Sacramento was playing uh, Sounders, not uh, Tacoma at that time. Yeah. And that, I mean, Again, that's the that's the beauty of having a, a MLS team, right? Like you can you can help your USL brethren out and send some players that oh we have an extra we have an extra few days between matches they need to get up to fitness we're gonna send them down to get get their legs under them so yeah when you have that when you have it like that do it I, I'm not I'm I'm not mad 
that you that you I am. Well, I it mean, throws a competitive imbalance. It does. It does. And that's you know, for for if you're gonna do it, you need to commit to a certain number of games. To come down what they did to Sac Republic, and, and obviously I'm not a Sac Republic fan by any measure. It, it was dirty to, to Sac Republic, and you know it was. You know, now as a SAFC fan, I was like, yay, because you know, get you know that's one win that they didn't have. But as as a fan of USL, I didn't like it uh, for that. It's a dirty move as a fan of of USL for sure. But in the grand scheme of things, like. It's it is what it is. There's no yeah, yeah nothing can do them. it, and you're not going to change it. Uh, you know, USL didn't. They weren't upset about the publicity. They weren't nope. upset about the possible gate increase that they got from that. Nope. I'm sorry. It's just at the end of the day, it's it's, it's a, a business. business, right? And so until that business starts giving 100 of their refunds for the COVID shortened season or non-existent season, uh, I don't know to tell you. There's only one organization, one league that's done that. That would be UWS. Yes, it would. Not even UPSL. So um, so this is kind of an interesting question I like to ask here. So there's four out-of-division games for you guys. Most likely, I think it'll be two home, two away. So what two teams would you like – or what's one of the teams that you'd like to come see to Sacramento? And what's one of the – you know, if you were to travel, what's one place that you can't you would love to go see? And remember, this year they're supposed to be cross mm-hmm. both east and west. So if if pocketbook wasn't an issue, family wasn't an issue, what's one team that you'd like to see that comes to Sacramento, and what's one team that you would like to go away? I want Indy. Indy? I want Indy at home. You know, they, when they get on their racetrack at their home place, they're they're a very good team. You take them away from the racetrack, and they're not they're not what they are. Uh, I think you get a totally different team uh, when they're on the road. And we, we've seen it. We saw mm-hmm. it last year where when they were at home, they were, they were scoring machines and they were, they were moving fast. And the one game I think I would need to be away for would be Louisville. Yeah. Louisville at the stadium, a new stadium, the atmosphere, the, the, just the ambiance of, of being in Louisville, Kentucky and having the ability to kind of go around and see, you know, be, be a be a uh, spectator, be a tourist for a weekend in in Louisville. If you've never done it, you need to do it. Uh, the stadium is is fantastic. The bourbon and whiskeys and and everything else that's out there is fantastic. It's just a great time. And why would you not want to go to Louisville? Just saying. so I did a St. Louis on Friday. Uh, or no, St. Louis on Saturday night, and then we went to Louisville on a Sunday afternoon um, at Slugger. So we did make that trek because uh, it's about six, seven hours away yep. uh, for that here. But yeah, it's uh, that that is something that that is. Um, I think on most people would be most most doable. I know for me, out west, you know. I am going to go see uh, the Colorado Springs at least one of the matches because they're opening up their new stadium. Yep. Um, Rising, I'm interested to see what their new stadium is because they're going from about a 6,200 stadium to a 10,000 stadium. Um, different part of town, um, which you know, speaking with you know um, some fans, it's positive, it's negative. Um, but Phoenix always has has a great uh, environment, uh, you know, for that here. So. To me, those as far as new stadiums there, and then of course uh, Charlotte's, you know, moving downtown. But Charlotte has major other issues that I think is going to deter what should have been a bright spot uh, for them. Dave, uh, I'm I'm not even go there, but I'm very disappointed in, in Charlotte and what they've done to not just their community, but also supporters groups. Uh, yeah, it's just it's I, I feel, Charlotte I feel overall is a disaster when it comes to men's soccer because you got. MLS, that you call it what it is, but it's price gouging. It is, you know, the, the the seat requirements on top of the tickets. It's just, it's not what the game's meant about. And will they? I don't think. I don't think it's going to be successful. I, I don't. Um, you got Charlotte, which I'm not even going to step into as far as with the USL, and then you got Nisa with Stumptown that's league owned. So 
and they're the best one of them, which is, you know, sad to say. Yeah. Hate to say. <laughs> you, you look at Nisa, right? Nisa in, in and of its own, right? Detroit City, Chattanooga, Stumptown, Chicago House. Like there's there's some big names. Peter Wild has done a lot to uh, get that that moving in the right direction, and rightfully so. It's going to be uh, Nisa's one to watch in terms of leagues. They got the BN contract that uh, that they have, and just in general, there it's a it's a it's well. It's a well thought out process that has an opportunity to do some great things. And Stumptown, no different. You know, uh, Rod Underwood, Fred Mathis, and, and Carrie Taylor, fine individuals who are going to mm -hmm. do, do some great things for uh, for Stumptown going forward. So we'll we'll do this topic first before we end with the MLS. So UWS and NISA came to an agreement or came to a partnership. I guess is is the better term. And then both, both of them kind of walked away. Um, I think it was Nisa that pulled out with Cloud9, uh, which kind of in that discussion, I found out that's a 40% owner of Nisa, you know, based based on, you know, somebody's post who I trust uh, for that here. So speaking from UWS side, because you do UWS Weekly and two or three other shows now, <laughs> On, on UWS, <laughs> just just the uh, UWS and then the kickoff show. That's it. Uh, well, there was another one that you did, right? Uh, or was it a special? Um, I just do. So I have. Uh, so we have UWS weekly every Thursday, and then on Saturday mornings, once now, once the season starts going, it's the kickoff show. The yeah, UWS uh, kickoff very show. very early in the morning for you, six a.m. Yes. Um, those are those are the two shows. We didn't have a name for it when we first got going. Um, I thought you did one on Friday or, or yeah, that was the, that's the kickoff show. So oh, I did the kickoff. Oh, that was yeah, early. Right. Okay. That was a those earlier. Those earlier ones are going to be the kickoff show because you'll be Saturday morning. morning. Right? Yeah. So, and then Saturday morning, once the season starts with the idea of a, uh, doing like a college game day atmosphere for stuff. So we've got a lot of cool things planned for UWS this summer, but just kind of the fallout. And I know, so I know UWS is still pressing forward. I talked to Danny from uh, Austin Elite, uh, you know, quite a bit, um, you know, for here. I haven't, you know, pressed a whole lot on details, you know, out of him. But, um, you know, I know he's, you know, he's saying, hey, UWS is still going forward with their plans. Um, timing and when that comes into play, I think might, you know, might be a little updated, you know, changing now. But, you know, that's, you know, that will still be determined. Um, both parties still seem to be good terms, I guess you could say, um, where for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. Um, I know USL's looking at doing a women's division, uh, starting out semi-pro, which I think kind of caught a lot of us off guard where I thought it was going to be more professional, um, reports when it came out, NISA may or may not be looking into that. And um, for me, in, in, in speaking with protagonist soccer and Dan, I'm like, I am hope hope you guys put it off to side for a little bit just because you guys already have a lot on your plate trying to get NISA up and running because they've yet to play a full year, full normal year for NISA. Um, not their fault, just you know, not their fault, uh, fault, but, you know, just with the uh, COVID era along those lines. But for UWS, um it, you know, it, you know, and not, you know, not to for you to say anything that you can't say. Uh, but what do you think is kind of next for them after the fallout from, you know, the from from Nisa? Well, next is our is our twenty twenty one season. We're we're geared up. We're excited. May eighth is the is going to be the start of our season uh, with some great matchups, some great opportunity to catch soccer this summer and kind of build our come back. Um, mm -hmm. We were out. 2020 yeah it was not our year because of covid and we were very the club and the the clubs in the league was very strategic in making sure that we took care of everybody first and what i mean by that is that our clubs our community was give them a refund make sure that they they know that we appreciate them and that we understand what's going on so this 2021 campaign is going to be huge now what does that mean that means we still have uws2 which is our our U23 or our academy kind of program, you could say. And then UWS, great clubs in, in Unity FC for mm -hmm. UWS2, great clubs in UWS 
you're going to see some fantastic summer uh, soccer as it relates. Now, what does that mean long term? Well, Club Nine and Nisa are going to are are going to use their time to find what works best for Nisa and Club Nine. Whereas with us, we're still looking at a pathway that pertains to creating a professional women's soccer league. We're, that's what our goal is. We mm -hmm. are about, um, you know, growing the game. And that's what we are going to continue to do going forward. We are going to find every avenue it is that pertains to the growth of the game, quality over quantity. Yes, we have 80 teams. That is that is a known fact. We went from 11 teams to now where we have 80 plus. Yeah, the expansion from 2019 end of season to start of 2021, um, and part of this was last year as well. To, to be fair, but you know, I know like in the Southwest where where I, you know, where I'm in, um, you know. I was reaching out to Danny and, and to David with CTX Hornets and uh, FC Austin um, and even to the Athenians uh, who, uh, who had different management at that point, like, Hey, are we going to have enough for a league? And they're like, yes, don't worry about it. And you know, this year they're rolling eight where I think last year, if they would have played, it would have been four or five um, because you know, they had a, a Dallas inner uh, FC that came in FC Austin and the Athenians. I think side FC also came in, um, but um, yeah, but in Tulsa, uh, but you know, this year they've added three more teams with back County um, uh, CTX Hornets moved from UWS to uh, promotion to the uh, UWS and then Wilco is coming in, um, you know, for that here. Cause I know FC Austin's looking to be fully professional and they were, you know, uh, Wilco is going to be kind of that second and third teams that, that they had where they're going to do, um, you know, the, the traditional, or I guess I shouldn't say traditional, uh, the semi-pro uh, athletes, you know, mainly the college uh, that'll come in and play with them. So um, I know for the Southwest, I'm excited out West with you. And I know on the, on the, you know, the, uh, the uh, startup show this, this Saturday with, with you and small world, um, you know, I hinted, hey, the West needs to uh, get some more teams because I, I think you got Calgary Foothills and then, you know, what, four other teams, Impact FC, Congo, um, SC Blue Heat, and the City FC. Um, but to me, I, I would like to see the West where it's like the East and the Midwest where it's, you know, 10 to 12-ish teams. And I know in California especially, you know, there are markets and teams out there. And then even if you move up to Oregon um, and to – uh, you know, to uh, uh, Washington uh, for the here. But I do find it interesting that in the West, there is the uh, Canadian team um, in, 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 uh, and they've been in the league for several years Foils. for that here. Uh, but, you know, for the West, uh, you know, what does UWS have to do to kind of start to, and I know WPSL is very big in the West. Um, that's one of their larger markets. Um for the West, how, 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 do, how does UWS get the growth that, that they need, in, in my opinion, that they need to establish so that way they're a national league, especially if they're going to try to go fully professional? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Again, when you try to advance women's soccer, we have to operate, right? Standard-driven league in partnership with our member teams and their respective communities. Well, we're also working. We're also working to find other other organizations in California that, that have the opportunity or want to establish that. So, you know, without, without saying anything, there, there are conversations that are happening and are taking place. There's a, a good contingency up in Canada with impact and with uh, foothills, Santa Clarita, uh, blue heat here in California, you have Congo, but if you go up from the up and down the coast, right, you have a lot of other areas that you could fill in San Francisco being mm -hmm. one of them, Oakland being another, even even in Sacramento, there's there's clubs that that are possible without, um, you know, the, obviously WPSL has a can has a strong right without um, poaching. Yeah, it's in, in the, it's not about poaching either. It's it's about creating a community, and, and that's mm -hmm. kind of what you've seen with Pensacola. Is you know they stated that it was time for something new. Now, if there's something new that somebody wants to try, we're not going to say no to anybody. Because again, we want to create a competitive structure. We do want to create um, 
an opportunity to advance the game in, in for women. So how does that look? It may look like you need a team in San Francisco. You may need a team in Monterey. You may need a team in Concord, California, but then start heading down into, you know, Santa Barbara, start heading mm-hmm. down into Inland Empire and in Orange County, head into San Diego where there is a, there's a, a growth and a lot of opportunity and potential. LA has the, um, has Angel City FC. Okay, great. Now let's think about adding a pro-am team, whether it's, you know, whatever it may look like, let's let's have those conversations. And again, I would love to see a Canadian-based um, conference that allows Canada to kind of play because sometimes that that is a that is a sticking point, right? Not yeah. everybody wants to travel to Canada, but sometimes you, know, you can't get across the border like me. Right. <laughs> so. And so I'm excited to see what happens with with California, Oregon. You know, I'm I'm not going to say anybody, but there's definitely a team in Oregon that I have my eyes on that I that I know isn't that wants to play semi pro. Josh, um, I'll just say his name. I'll call him out, Josh. And so I would. <laughs> you know, I'd love to see semi pro soccer for women up in up in Oregon alongside Portland Rain or not Portland Rain, the Portland Thorns. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you might want to make me figure that one out <laughs> but uh yeah if you could get another team more soccer is not a bad thing more more showcasing of talent because we have naia schools everywhere we have ncaa we have the second division chico. we have so many uh places chico california with chico state you you've up and down the line monterey you name it there's opportunity girls need to be able to play during the summer and it's proven <laughs> to to help look at katarina macario where's she at now oh she's with ol rain or ol um in france i'm sorry but she also was in the uws for galaxy two or for the galaxy women for a while so it's just a matter of of putting those names and and getting people opportunities and there is the the side that we don't talk about enough the business side of it and the requirements that u.s soccer has that i think impacts the decisions we'll, we'll we'll just leave it at that both you know pop i understand one ways why they have it but in some ways it's it's a negative uh you know especially you know on on, on developing but um clubs there for her but um i do know that the women's game is growing um you know there's a lot of leagues that are doing it um i know uws here in san antonio with the athenians uh, they draw very well. I know FC Austin, you know, draws very well, and they're going to have you know some competition, you know, in the Austin area now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this year. I know you mentioned May 8th, but uh, the Southwest still hasn't had their schedule drop, but hopefully soon uh, for that here. So we can't let you go without talking about the uh, gorilla in the room, and it kind of impacts women's soccer as well as as we found out. Um, Sacramento, unfortunately, um, decided to not go to MLS, I guess you can say, as far as uh, the current ownership. I know the Sacramento city leadership and MLS is still trying to work with a group in Sacramento, I guess. But I think odds are uh, that most likely at least short term that I think Sacramento's on the outside back in and that the expansion is going to be opening back up. But to me, the biggest fallout that I guess kind of shocks me is the NWSL, them having a team that was coming in and, and I think what playing at Papa Murphy's park, I think would still be appropriate for it. You know, it's, it's what a 10,000 seat, uh, stadium now it may not have you know I haven't been there but it may not have all the the nice nice amenities but to get started out I think it's still you know a a, a solid stadium it's it's one of the best ones in uh, USL uh, for that here um, but rumors are that you know they may be heading down south to San Diego uh, for that here so kind of your thoughts on what kind of blew up in in Sacramento to where you're going to have MLS and NWSL to where you could end up with, and this isn't a disrespect to USL, USL and, and maybe USL women's league or no team, you know, on the women's side. It's hard. Um, you know, as a lifelong, uh, 
fan of the game and playing here in Sacramento and, and being a part of the culture with, you know, the Sacramento Knights, the geckos, the storm, right. You, you've had such a good history of soccer. And now with the Republic MLS was the next, was the next step. That was often the bridesmaid or often the bridesmaid, never the bride was the conversation because we'd been, had so much heartbreak and so much mm-hmm. letdown from MLS is, Oh, this is the year. No, no. Cincinnati. This is the year. Oh, no, Nashville. This is the, and it's been that way for some time. And so when it was announced in 2019, everybody was excited. Everybody was excited. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, it was, it was hard because that, that essentially took the sales and broke them. It, it just, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. You think though, I, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the publicity of this. I, and you know, everybody says, Hey, when they can't do it, it's COVID. But this decision, from my understanding, they didn't make a deposit. You know, they, they missed a, a, a deposit. Um, you know, there's been other purchases. And if you want to dig out what the other purchases are, you can. To, to me, I, to me, as somebody that's, you know, I'm not an MLS fan. I support the clubs that are MLS, but I'm not an MLS fan. I don't like that people are saying, hey, it was COVID related because I don't. That's the me personally. That's I don't think it was COVID. You can blame it on COVID because it's, it's, it's an excuse that people will buy. But I think people that are paying attention. Well, let's, let's look at the timeline. right. So let's, let's go back to where um, MLS had. Nashville was having a hard time getting started. Extremely hard time. And so to me, MLS saw that and they said to themselves, okay, we're going to back Sacramento up a year just so they have their ducks in a row. Okay. That's great. That's fine. Now you've getting, you're getting to where. Because you guys would have started this year, right? Mm-hmm. Was scheduled to have start started this year. I did. Yeah. Or, or later. Or, no, MLS 20... 2022. So, but anyway, let, let's think about this, right? You, you, you have that announcement to where it's pushed, it's postponed a year. That's the first problem. Then you're getting into the second problem, which is there's um, no, there's rumors that the expansion fee hasn't been paid or there wasn't a deposit put in. Then there was some ownership or some of the, the stakeholders and partners who were starting to kind of get, um, sideways, cold feet, mm-hmm. cold feet, right? And then you hear nothing on the stadium. You hear nothing about the building. You hear nothing about you know breaking ground. Oh, it's going to happen in the summer. Well, summer came about nothing. It's going to happen in the fall. Nothing. Winter, nothing. And we didn't even have a hard winter, so you could still have broken ground. And winter in Northern California is like summer. It's not like winter in Colorado. So ground could have been broken. Yep. Um, because to me, they had already broke ground. If, if memory serves me right, there's there's already been some development at the site. Yep, that was one of the selling points of Sacramento was we're ready to go. Just tell us yes, and we will be ready. And that was that was that was the way they they worded it. Now, Burkle leaves. After Burkle, the president steps away. Uh, ben Gumpert, who did a lot of great things for Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of great things, uh, you know, helped get it to where it is. But you also have, you know, ownership from previous years of Warren Smith, who are now with the loyal. You've you've got all of these people and, and now Burkle's gone and he was your big guy. He was the guy who was going to do it. Now, how do you how do you get people to to invest when you've lost your biggest backer? Well, there's an owner across the street over at the Golden One Center. Renadive, who owns the Kings, he could step in. He could help out. There's enough people that if Sacramento is legitimately still able to get a team for MLS, it could happen. Now, NWSL is completely different because I feel as though Burkle, that was Burkle's goal was to get NWSL here. And he was making those payments. Well, okay, those payments were under Burkle's name. It wasn't under Sacramento's name. So now he may or may not take the NWSL to San Diego. 
But can and, Burkle stay in Sacramento though? That's that's my question. Can he? Yeah. Does he want to? No. He doesn't you, want to stay. You think the fan base would still support him? I don't think they would. That's I think I think Sacramento has, and this isn't the first time Burkle's been associated with Sacramento sports. You know, he also was was going to be a possible investor to keep the Kings here when the Kings were rumored to be going to Seattle mm -hmm. or to uh, even um, L.A. or Anaheim. Sorry. So there was a lot of conversation about about Urkel being a part of an ownership group here, given he has money. He has money through his his grocery uh, stores. He has the Pittsburgh Penguins under his resume for or CV for ownership. So, you know, it's 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 interesting. I, I just I, I wish him the best. I, I don't know what's going to happen if he does take it to take NWSL to San Diego, but he really left a, a bitter taste in um, Sacramento's mouth when he when he essentially did this. And I can't say he did it. He's not the, the only reason. There's other. But he was the face of it. He he well he's the the primary guy, but there's also you also have to look at other other entities and some of the people who who are around him that you know, are no longer here. And I'm not going to say Ben Gumpert because Gumpert, you know, I, if he could still be president, if he still want to be president, I'd welcome him. Todd Dunavit, great player in the MLS. I don't know if he has any experience with developing a, a organization in terms of a president seat, but we'll see what happens there. Um, you know, he, he comes free essentially because he's on the payroll already, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm curious to know what happens to Sacramento post 2021 for usl and, and potentially mls and i hate to say this and especially in the show on this sacramento three years from now are they are they still in usl or are they gone and by gone i mean no longer playing they'll still be here yes they'll, they'll, still, they'll be here. still be here they're, they're look the fan base won't let that happen the fan base will, will find a way. This is this is a passionate fan base in Sacramento for the sports. But will they turn out? Because I know with San Antonio, I'll, I'll give us as an exception, as an example. We had close to 4,000 season ticket members uh, at the end of 2017. And then 2019 is when everything kind of fell apart. Uh, for the hurt, uh, fell you know fell apart. You know, 2018 we had close to 4,000 season ticket members because of uh, the run in 2018. MLS, the expansion push was going on. When MLS, when the Austin clause came in, when Austin was announced, um, there are people that dropped because MLS was off the table. Um, and I think you you could see probably, and this may not seem a lot, but I think it is, you know, I think for the club, it was probably all right. And I still think San Antonio still makes money off of, uh, off of, off of SAFC just because they do get on a bad night, 6,000, which I think you guys are probably what, eight, nine on a bad night um, for that here. So I think for USL, you know, if you're making over four or 5,000, um, coming to the game, I think you're pr most likely in in the positive, depending on what kind of budget and other stuff that you're running with. But I would say they probably lost at least 500 to a thousand season ticket members um, that dropped off from the M the MLS side here. I don't think the supporter groups will drop off. I don't think the people that go kind of you know is you know the the you know three four five games of package. You know, I don't think they'll go because it's a family outing and it's an, it's still it's still a great way to bring the family out for two hours. At least, you know, I'm assuming Sacramento is very similar to San Antonio where, you know, we've got the Spurs. You guys have got the Kings. You know, we got a baseball team. I think you guys have a triple A uh, team there. You guys um, have the really that's huh? you have the uh, mission. San, yeah, the Well, they were triple A last year. This year they're going back to double A, which is where they need to be in the stadium that they're in. Um, cause the Stockton stadium is better than our stadium. <laughs> so that tells you, <laughs> it tells you our state of ours. Um, I love Wolf, but you know, it's on my side of town, but it, it's, it, it needs to be upgraded. But I think Sacramento and San Antonio are very similar where 
they're very blue collar cities. Um, and meaning that, you know, they're not, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of great people. There's a lot of people that support the teams. There's a lot of diehards, but for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's, it's not the pretty girl that gets invited to, to all the parties for, for X reason. Um, and to me, that's my concern with Sacramento is how many do they lose because MLS, that MLS carrots no longer on, on the table. It's hard because you have an 11,000 seat stadium. You know, if you want to get particular, it's 11, 11, 569. And attendance has been going down. It's, this isn't Sacramento of four or five years ago where everything was sold out and, you know, on Reddit and, you know, I'll joke, you know, saying, you know, and, and SAC, SAC fans will push back. No, people are there. You're just not seeing it. I'm like, no, because it used to be you wouldn't see Sacramento. Yep. Now you see some of the writings on some of the seats. Not all, not every game, but the attendance. You know, you know, last couple of years has dipped a little bit. My fears if it if it takes another dive. Well, the attendance had, had dipped just a bit. Um, every year you get a dip or a lull, right? It's just the market. It's the way people in and out. People who aren't soccer fans. People who are soccer fans. <laughs> But over time, you you start to lose interest. Like, okay, I'll go to a match. I'll go to a few matches. And I've talked to some fans who um, I probably talked to about 30 to 40 fans who said, I'm not going to re-up my season tickets because there's no hope. And to be fair, Sacramento does have higher than average season ticket members, uh, season ticket prices across USL. Uh, to, be fa- you know, to, get to, to, be, to be fair, to you know, uh, Sacramento fans, you know, it, it is a high, you know, it, it is a higher cost ticket, you know, than most. And there was a 20% increase when they made the announcement for MLS. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not, that's not be mistaken. They were trying to pull in as much money as they could on that announcement. Therefore ticket prices were raised for everybody. But if you try to, if you are somebody new, it was about, Hey, we're going to show you this virtual tour of the rail yard soccer stadium. And then you're like, yes, I want this seat right here. And I'm going to buy these tickets today, right now for this season. And a lot of people look, when you, when you go to those season tickets, stand or buying, you're not buying one season ticket. You might not be buying two. You're buying three or four because you want to take your family to this, to these games. So now you're losing that. You know, I was in a season ticket package with people and we had set, we had eight season tickets between all of us. There was four of us. And then that way everybody had a ticket and we could, we could go from there. But now everybody else in my group has dropped out. Nobody, nobody wanted to, to re up because of some other things and, and what they feel is the direction of the club. Now, everybody's changing. Everybody's going, this is, this is the way things are going to happen is going forward is people are going to find ways or think of different ways to use and spend their money, not just in Sacramento, but around the, around the country. Uh, instead of sports, they're going to find another, another way to spend their dollar um, to connect or to spend time with family. So just to kind of wrap it up here for UWS weekly, uh, do you want to tease what's going to, if, if you know, uh, for this upcoming show on Thursday here, uh, any any teases you want to provide uh, for the upcoming show this week? I haven't seen anything online, so I don't know if you have anything set up that you can announce, but uh, I figured I'd give you the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, for UWS, I mean, we're always, every Thursday we have a new club. Uh, this week we, we do have a club. We're just waiting for them to announce that they're good to go. So as of everything, right, we, we have reservations and we have – People who say, "Hey, we're on," or and we're just waiting to get confirmation from that mm-hmm. that club. But we will have some kickoff shows this week, uh, as it pertains to maybe some schedules. Who knows? That's always the fun Southwest thing. Southwest, right? Southwest, please. There's always there's <laughs> always an opportunity, right? I, I get phone calls at, at 10, 10 p.m. at night, my time. Like, hey, uh, we're going live at six a.m. with this. So it's you know, and then obviously Saturday we're gonna have we'll have our morning kickoff show. Uh, you know, I hope to be joined by somebody to talk about. Uh, either the league or or what's next, or maybe even just a conversation with a supporters group about the league and what they're excited for as it relates to their team for the ones that we have announced um, in terms of the schedule for conferences on the UWS. 
So I do want to appreciate you coming on. Uh, I know UWS is your main focus at this point, but I do know that Sac Republic, um, prior to what last four months, five months ago, well, I guess towards the end of the last season, uh, you know, you you know, you had it, you had a show. So I know it's something that uh, you do keep up on, you know, with the local team. Um, but I always enjoy because it, you know. Is as anybody knows, I follow pretty much all lower league soccer, both men's and women's. Um, way too many podcasts that I listen to and shows, but uh, um, it's my way of giving back. And, and doing this show gives me that avenue to kind of express my opinions a little bit and have guests like Jonathan, who um, is usually in my role here uh, for this here. So, do you want to thank you for coming on, Jonathan? And, and hopefully, you didn't mind being the guy that had to spill the questions or answer the questions as opposed to answering the, or asking the questions here. So it's, it's all good. I, I enjoy both sides of the table is just, you know, I don't have to do any producing side, you know, and happiest of Joe's always doing the <laughs> he's backstage for me all the time is my co-producer for uh, UWS weekly. So he's the banner guy and making sure your comments get up, but I really appreciate you taking the time to have me this, uh, this afternoon. And I hope that we can have more of these conversations, especially Hopefully. once the UWS season and the Athenians kick off. I am uh, talked to um, talk to Danny about possibly doing a show, um, but I know he's doing a project that he wants to kind of highlight as well. So um, I don't want to step on his toes or anything like that here, um, you know, especially with what he's trying to do and, and build his brand and um, stuff out. So. I'll kind of wait to see what he, what he does, but it is my goal with, you know, this one here. It's, you know, it's why I did United soccer FC just because it encompasses everything uh, for that here to, to be able to have that conversation. Cause I do have a sister podcast where, you know, SA soccer Roundtable where we mainly talk San Antonio and in, in the high schools and stuff, um, you know, in, in lower leagues in San Antonio, but um, obviously with, with the community that, that, you know, you're part of here that we've built, um, both for, you know, USL and, and, you know, UWS and, um, there's a few other leagues, NISA, you know, protagonist soccer, um, that, the, you know, it's a community that, um, even though we talk about different leagues, we all have the same goal of expanding the coverage because, you know, let's be honest, mainstream media doesn't really focus a whole lot, especially at this level of uh, coverage here so do appreciate you hopping on here i know this was kind of last minute uh, but i hope you do enjoy the rest of uh, the sunday with your family uh and uh, jonathan uh we'll, we'll, i'm sure we'll be talking a few more times this week on twitter or social media i'm sure we will appreciate sure you we will thank you